There's one person excited about today. That's awesome. Well, my name's Brad Powell, and I just want to have a conversation with you today. And as the basis for that conversation, I want to give you the word of the day. Fair enough? One word. The word of the day is a word that you've heard said. The word of the day is a word that you have probably said about others. And the word is probably a word that has been said about you by others. And that word is hypocrite. Hypocrite. The world is filled with them. And the truth is, hypocrisy is a common accusation that's used against people who claim to be Christ followers. It's a common accusation against those who are called Christians. Hypocrite. And while it's not the defining reality of all who claim to be Christ followers, it is a common and potential problem for all of us, and it becomes the defining reality for many. Uh, our church team put together a video to highlight some of the high-profile things we've seen recently that would fall under the word hypocrisy. Watch this. Now that provides our normal view of hypocrisy. It is a huge issue dealing with people who live on platforms in front of multitudes and deal with great inconsistencies in their life. They, in front of multitudes, claim huge things about Christ and truth and then they don't live up to them and that ends in disgrace. They're defined as hypocrites. But the reality is hypocrisy is not an issue that is a platform issue. Hypocrisy is an issue that each and every one of us wrestles with every day. You cannot be a Christ follower without wrestling with this issue. And whether you win or lose to this issue is, an, is a huge determiner of whether you will be light in this world 
or darkness in this world. Think about what hypocrisy is. It's simply claiming something that is not real in the life that you are genuinely living. We claim to be forgiven as Christ followers. We sing worship songs like this about forgiveness and what Christ has done for us, and yet we refuse to forgive even the littlest of things. That's hypocrisy. We claim to have experienced the love of God, and we claim to love God. That's what worship's all about. And most of you were very much into the worship just now. I mean, it's an expression of love for God. But we don't love people. And when we claim love for God and we don't love people, God himself says clearly we're living the lives of hypocrites. And it's shown out in the fact that we have no concern for anyone but ourselves. We don't have concern for those experiencing injustice in the world. We don't have concern for the poor in this world. We don't have concern for the, the hurting, the broken, the lost in this world. We have concern to make the life the best it can be for us. We'll consume God's love for ourselves, but that's not what God's love's about. That's hypocrisy. We claim to have the promises of Christ as Christ followers, but we don't experience the promises of Christ. We're not experiencing fulfillment. We're not experiencing joy. We're not experiencing peace. No, the opposite. And so what is that called? Whether we're on a platform falling a long way or just living out lives at ground level, it's called hypocrisy. We claim to have the hope of eternal life. And yet, we make every choice and every plan based upon what we're going to experience in the here and now. We worry about eternity later. That's hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is a dangerous issue. Because hypocrisy leads to two things. It leads to me, when I fall to it, not experiencing the promises that I have available to me in Christ. It, it means that I won't experience the fulfillment, the potential that Jesus has given me. And I believe the majority of us here today are living way below our potential and way below the promise because we're making claims of our relationship with Christ that we're not living out. I mean, we lose when we play the role of the hypocrite, but it goes further because the world loses. The more people sing about light these days, the more darkness owns the world. How come light is not penetrating darkness? In Jesus' day, the world was as dark as it had ever been, really. And yet, his light changed the world. All the worship going on around the world, all the declaration of light around the world, and yet darkness continues to prevail in greater and greater ways. Why? Because those singing about the light are still living in darkness. Those singing about the love are still living loveless, hate-filled, conflicted lives. We need to get a fix on this. In that video, we put the secular song, Hypocrite, and I'm sure you heard the lyrics. They say, do as I say, not as I do. One rule for me, another for you. Every day, your view will change. And then it says, these contradictions are tiring me. That's exactly what the world's saying. They're not saying, I don't need hope. They're not saying I don't need love. They're not saying I don't need healing. They're not saying I don't need forgiveness. They're not even saying I don't need God. What they're saying is what Gandhi said. We like your Christ, but we don't see him in you. We like your Christ. We don't like your Christians because your Christians are so unlike Christ. Now the question is, why is this our reality? Why do we claim to be following Christ, and many times we are, 
Why do we claim the promises of Christ and yet not experience them? Why is hypocrisy a reality for those on high platforms and those at ground level? The answer, I think, is twofold. One obvious, one not so obvious. The obvious one is this. Not everyone who claims to be following Christ is truly a Christ follower. I mean, Jesus himself said it. Many are going to say, Lord, Lord, look at all the stuff we did. We went to Liberty University. We sang great songs. Wow, we went on missions trips. So you can say, eh, there's one problem. I never knew you. You never surrendered your heart to me. You never repented and turned to me. That's the obvious one. The not so obvious one is the fact that there are many of us, genuine Christ followers, people in that video, I'm sure, genuine Christ followers, people who have truly repented of their guilt and sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ who are not patterning their lives after Jesus, who are not reflecting Jesus. Why is that? Well, the reason is simple, and it's the truth that we're going to dig into today. The reason you and I claim to follow Christ but don't look like Christ is because following Christ doesn't automatically change our view of the world of one another, of ourselves, of what's important, of what matters to us. Following Christ doesn't automatically change how we see the world, which means following Christ doesn't automatically change our choices in this world, what we live for in this world. Uh, now, I wish it did. I really, I'm a person that hates maintenance. I love low maintenance things. I don't wanna work hard for anything, even if it's something I really want. For example, uh, I, I love popcorn, I love popcorn, but if it's not microwave popcorn, I'm not in. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, the other day my wife and I were shopping, she saw some of this organic popcorn, but you had to like get out a pan and oil and pop the stuff, and I said, I don't want it. There's no way. The hardest thing I want to happen when I'm popping popcorn is pulling the stupid plastic thing off, and trust me, the older I get, the harder that gets. I mean, pulling the plastic off. And I won't even do it if the microwave forces you to put the time in for cooking the popcorn. It's got to have a button that says popcorn or I'm out because it's too hard. The Christian life, the Christian life is not a button on a microwave machine. It's not I'll go to a Christian university and boom, I'll pop out like Jesus. It's not I'll go to church regularly and boom, I'll pop out like Jesus. Following Christ does not automatically change our view of the world. And until our view of the world and ourselves and other people changes, our values will never change. We will keep claiming values that we don't live. We will keep claiming a life that we're not experiencing. We will be hypocrites in this world. People will decide that Jesus has nothing for them because they see clearly Jesus has provided nothing for us. Now, this is not a new reality. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus dealt with this in his ministry. Uh, starting with verse 1, it says, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. They sit in the seat of spiritual authority. So you have to obey them and do everything they tell you because they're declaring God's words. But do not do what they do, Jesus says, for they do not practice what they preach. They do not live what they claim. Everything they do is for men to see. Why does that happen? It happens because it's not an automatic transition when we follow Christ to think differently. Look at the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, he's talking to believers like us. He says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. So I gave you milk. I made you suck on pacifiers and not solid food for you were not ready for the real deal. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still 
worldly. You claim to be spiritual, but you live worldly lives. You claim to be following Christ, but you're clearly following the God of this world. You claim to be people of light, but you're living in darkness. For isn't there all kinds of jealousy consuming you and quarreling consuming you? Are you not more like darkness than light, the world? Are you not acting like natural men? 2 Timothy 4 is written to one individual, and that individual could be one of us. deals with our story. A guy named Demas, who was trained spiritually, was mentored by very spiritual people like Paul the Apostle, and yet in the end, fell away. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. He's deserted me. Why? Because he wanted to be a failure? No. Because he never changed his view. Today, in most areas of life... Statistically speaking, in most areas of life, marriage and divorce, financial integrity, issues of generosity and caring about the poor and injustice in the world, sexual integrity, you look at almost every area of life and there is absolutely no difference between the ethical standard of those who claim to follow Christ and those who clearly don't follow Christ. The morality is not different. Why? Because the view is not different. They're both living according to the same view, one putting Jesus' words to it and spiritual words to it, the other not, but both living the same way because they're looking at their lives through the same lens, and so their choices are being lived through the same lens. So young people, if we are going to live our lives in a different way, if we're going to experience the fulfillment Jesus came to give us, and if we're going to be light in a world of darkness, if we're truly, as I know you desire to do, going to make a significant difference in this world, then it's going to take more than singing about it and talking about it and preparing for it. It's going to take making this choice. We must choose to intentionally and rigorously, every day of our lives, choose Jesus' view of the world, Jesus' view of the poor, Jesus' view of ourselves, Jesus' view of success. John 10.10, 10, he says, I've come to give you life, and life in all of its fulfillment. We're not experiencing it. Not because it's not true, not because his promise isn't valid, but because we are not living in a way that seizes it. Romans 12, 2 is kind of the foundational issue in this talk, I think. He says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. And I'm going to tell you as a pastor of a lot of people, most Christ followers are patterning their lives more after the world than they are after Christ. Modifying their behavior, but not allowing God to transform them. When that happens, we are going to take a great fall. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to be able to bear out the greatness of living for God? You need to have a renewed mind. This is important to us because it explains why we can live such roller coaster lives, how we can be so so passionate about living for Jesus one day and worshiping one day and the next day committing the atrocity of our lives. How can we do that? One day have passion for integrity and the next day be lying to save our skin. How can we do that? Declaring our love for the poor but not even caring about the person that lives next door. How can we do that? It's because we have never changed our view. Our minds have never been renewed and so we will never be transformed. What's it look like then this view we're supposed to have. What's the difference? Well, the difference is pretty simple. The difference between the world's pattern and Jesus' pattern, the world's view and Jesus' view, the Christ follower's view and the non-Christ follower's view is this. The world's view bases everything upon the here and now. 
It sees everything in light of this moment and what's going to bring benefit to me in this moment. If lying brings the greatest benefit in this moment, that's what I'm going to do. If telling the truth brings the greatest benefit in this moment, that's what I'm going to do. Here and now, that's how they see the world. Now, for the Christ follower, it's supposed to be an eternal lens. We're supposed to see every decision, every choice we make, every circumstance, every experience, not through the pleasure of the moment, the here and now, but through the lens of eternity. What will this mean in eternity? How will this play in eternity? And so we need to have this view of eternity. And when we don't, we have a limited and incomplete perspective. Any choice that I make for the here and now, without considering what then, what about eternity, is going to be a choice that leads to the wrong place, even though I think it's going to be a great choice. When we make choices based upon an incomplete perspective, we make great choices because no one wants to lose, but it turns out to be a losing choice because we didn't have all the information. Great example, um, I'm kind of into health a little bit. I think it's important to take care of our bodies. So on Saturday morning, I got up and instead of watching the Ryder Cup, I ran three miles and had a good time doing that and then got ready to go. We have two Saturday night services at our church and I was going there and my wife and I decided to stop at a health food restaurant. Don't know if you have them here. It's called Red Robin. Um, Red Robin, it's a... it's really not a health food restaurant. It's like burgers and fries is their specialty. Um, and I decided, you know, I'd run. I want to take care of myself. I'm not going to get the fries I want. I'm not going to get the burger I want. I'm going to get a salad. Everyone knows. Listen, I don't care how much you like salad. Salads suck in contrast to hamburgers and fries. Seriously. No doubt about it. So, uh, I chose the salad. Not because I like salad but because I was making the great choice, the right choice. I want to be healthy. And so, I ate the salad, all the while lusting after all the fries in Red Robin. Then I got to the church and looked up on Red Robin's site the nutritional value of my salad. My salad was 1,375 calories and 87 grams of fat. For those of you who don't know, that's not good. It's really not. In fact, it's like putting whale fat around your heart and asking it to still beat. It wasn't good at all. And yet I made the choice, not for taste, I made the choice as the great choice to be healthy. And it turned out being the wrong choice. Why? Because I had an incomplete perspective. I didn't know the true nutritional value of that meal. This is exactly why we get in trouble. The people you saw in that video, and each and every one of us, don't make choices so that we can live the worst possible lives. We don't make choices so that we can destroy other people's lives. We don't make choices so that we can be broken and others can be broken by us. It's not why we do it. We make choices because in the moment, through the lens we're looking at, it seems to be the right choice. But when you're only looking through the here and now lens, you have an incomplete perspective. It will lead to a bad choice. This was the problem with the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. I mean, he was rich, and then he hit a motherlode harvest, and and he said, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to invest it in a 401k. I'm going to make sure I have plenty to eat for security. I'm going to take care of myself. And he made a great decision based upon a here and now view. I'm going to have enough to live for the rest of my life. Then God showed up and said, one problem with your view, it's a little incomplete. You're dying tonight. Now how do you like your choice to put it in your 401k? 
Wouldn't it have been better to help the poor? Wouldn't it have been better to come, combat injustices in this world? But he didn't because he didn't have the view of the eternal. And that's exactly how we live our lives. Look at how Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 6, one of my favorite passages in Scripture, verses 19 through 21. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we go from living our lives and treasuring and valuing that which only has benefit in the here and now, to valuing that and treasuring that and investing ourselves in that which has value for eternity, our decisions change dramatically. I mean, think about it. The way we live personally and professionally will change. When we're thinking of eternity, our decisions in the boardroom will change. Wouldn't it be nice if the people running Wall Street were thinking more about eternity than they were the here and now? we wouldn't be in the financial crisis we're in right now. Wouldn't it be nice if we did the same? We need to change our view, personally speaking. When I'm viewing life through an eternal lens, it changes the decisions I make personally in the backseat of a Chevy, if you know what I mean. And some of you know really well what I mean. It changes our choices when we view life through eternity instead of through the here and now. Most of us make choices today based upon how it makes me feel now. And in so doing, we are throwing away our future and we're throwing away the light that other people need to see through us. Now, my wife and I uh, have the privilege of doing some traveling. And one of the things that I love to take with me when I travel is a GPS. Curious, how many of you own a GPS? Absolutely. If you don't, you're not yet in the 21st century no matter what you say. Seriously, GPS. This is one of those global positioning satellite units that, you know, it attaches to a satellite and if it's got the right software in it and you program the right address, you'll never make a wrong turn. I mean, it's fantastic because it gives you the whole perspective. And yet I am so stupid. I believe so much in my intuition of direction and all that stuff, my ability to read the sun, that more often than not, I believe that I know better than what our little GPS unit is saying. It'll say, take a left, and I go, that is so stupid. I know it's not left, I know it's right, let's go right. I get lost every time. I follow my intuition in the now, and I miss where I'm supposed to go because I don't have the perspective that GPS has. Now, I have one complaint with GPSs, quite frankly, and that's that they've been programmed to be so nice. I absolutely despise this. Ours is uh, a Magellan, I call it Maggie, we have a female voice, and I don't listen to it a lot of times, I'm talking or listening to the radio or whatever, and, and it'll say, turn left, I won't, and then it'll say, please do a U-turn as soon as possible. Please do a U-turn as soon as possible. That's not real life. I wish someone, maybe one of you, would write a program that's a little bit more realistic that includes ever-increasing sarcasm in the voice of the GPS. Wouldn't it be often? First, you miss one left turn and they go, excuse me, but if you were listening to me like you're supposed to, you would have turned left. That'd be awesome. The next one you miss, they say, look it, stupid idiot. Either turn the machine off or take a left at the next turn. I, it'd be great. It'd be more like realism. The truth is, GPSs can save us all kinds of lostness in our travels. Well, that's exactly what God has done in giving us Jesus, in giving us the Word. He has given us a spiritual positioning view. We can know 
with every choice we make, with every plan we make, with every decision we make, whether it's going to take us to the right place or the wrong place because he sees it from the eternal perspective. Our problem is, just like with me and the GPS, we think we can outsmart God. We think that in the moment we're going to think of something that will bring us greater pleasure and greater long-term fulfillment than following God, but we will be wrong every time. And though God's not like this, I know. If I was God, I would be up there looking at my life saying, look at you stupid idiot. How many times do I have to tell you when you go against my word, you will never experience the life you're looking for. Never. Young people, the reason we are missing the fullness that Jesus died to give us and the reason we are not changing this world of darkness into a world of light and hope is because we are looking at our choices and making our plans based upon the here and now and this moment, which is as worthless as the thrill of a roller coaster ride. What we need to do is we need to transform our view. We need to allow God's word to shape us. And here's what I want to encourage you, just one walk away encouragement. I want to encourage you with each choice you make in the ensuing times of your life, consider the eternal consequences, the eternal what-thens of that choice. It will change the way you live. In fact, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 are a phenomenal passage of Scripture. And God goes through it and talks about how we're supposed to live. And I'm going to read it from a different translation. It's going to throw up there. It says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. And then he concludes this way. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Too many of us are making our choices, making our plans, and making our decisions based upon stuff that only matters right now. You're storing up treasures in a place you can't store treasures. What you need to do is you need to fix your eyes on the eternal. And when you do that, the choice you make in your automobiles, the choice you make in your classes, the choice you make in your dorm rooms or your apartments, the choice you make in your relationships, the choice you make in your career decisions will be very different. If we're going to be defined by anything different than the word hypocrite, then we must be defined by a view that sees life through the eternal. The, what the world needs is not more hypocrites. What the world needs is more people looking like Jesus, and there's only one way. To look like Jesus, you've got to see yourself and others in the world through his eyes, and it's my prayer, that's what you'll do. And if you do, you'll never regret it. Thank you very much.